0: you have your copy of the scriptures, I'd invite you to take them and turn with me to the Gospel of John, the Gospel of John, chapter 12, John chapter 12, and I just want to uh, begin our new year uh, with a singular thought. Okay, it's got three parts, but it's a singular thought as we begin our new year. John chapter twelve. Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus was. Lazarus was who had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus. And wiped his feet with their hair. the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. One of the disciples, one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii, given to the poor? Now this he said, not that he cared for the poor because he was a thief and had the money box and he used to take what was put in it. But Jesus said, let her alone. And she has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you have with you always, but me you do not have always. Father, thank you so much again. And thank you for your mercies, your goodnesses, your kindnesses, Thank you, Father, for giving us uh, a fresh start on a new year. Uh, Thank you also for the grace uh, freely given, abundantly so, so that we can manage all of the tasks to which you have called us in this new year. We thank you for lives lived on purpose as you assign meaning and purpose to life. And thank you for all things that pertain to righteousness, to life, and godliness. You've given to us through the knowledge of the one who called us out of darkness into glory and virtue. And thank you, Father, that we get to sit at your feet as you speak to us and teach us how to live out that which you are working in. So, Father, uh, we ask that you would quiet our hearts still our minds, that you would grant peace and calmness so that we can receive with meekness the engrafted word, that you would hinder the wicked one as any attempt on his part to interfere and intervene in anything that we are engaged in currently might be thwarted. And our Father uh, will be doers of your word. Not here is only deceiving our own selves. And we'll thank you as we always do. And we'll pledge as we always do. According to the truth of that song. To give you the praise and the honor and the glory. It is yours alone. You alone deserve our praise. And we'll thank you for these things. And ask in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Well, we are in 2024. 2024. And, of course, uh, we begin with stewardship every year um, since I can, as long as I can remember. We have begun the month of January each year with an emphasis on stewardship. And it's not because people don't know anything about stewardship, but it's just good to remind ourselves of the principle of stewardship. And, of course, the principle simply stated is that God is the owner. Uh, God is the owner of all the possessions, all of the people, all of the purposes. It's it's all about him. And we are simply the managers of that which he has entrusted to us. And so uh, each year we want to remind ourselves of the principle of stewardship and talk more about it for the next several weeks. I'm always fascinated because people each year start off with uh, New Year's resolutions. And as I track them over the years, I I notice that that there's been a subtle change. And so each year I I try to look at the previous years and think about where we are. And here are the top 10 from 2023. Number one, save money. (laughs) And I think the past three years have brought us to a point where that is absolutely number one on our list. Save money. Many of us have too much month left at the end of the money. Uh, Number two, be healthier in general. Now, that's more in line with where our country is headed today. Because, you know, it used to be a lot more specific. People would say, stop smoking or stop drinking or at least moderate on my drinking. Or they name specific things, but now it's just be healthy in general. Um, that perhaps we can attain. Work out more. Um, okay. I guess you give yourself some wiggle room. Um, they say, you know, the people set the resolutions in, on January 1, and by February 1, Ninety percent of them have abandoned the resolutions. So instead of being uh, using smart goals, something specific and measurable, they just say, "Just well, you know, work out more." Number four, near and dear to Larry Harris' heart, eat better. Right? Uh, I would say eat healthily, uh, but eat better. Um, I like even more. Uh, I still have arguments with my kids about whether or not chocolate is the sixth uh, member of the food group um, they say no but I, I think I read that somewhere uh, in the book of second opinions I believe it is number five lose some weight um, number six uh, <laughs> <laughs> try to be happier in general alright Uh <laughs> That uh, is moving from specifics to generalities on purpose. Number seven, pay down debt. It used to be get out of debt. Uh, but now we can just um, if we could just pay a little bit on it each time and keep going. We don't want to live beneath our means and pay off the debt uh, because that's too much work. Number eight, I highlighted this, um, improve your mental health. Because according to the things that I've read this past week, uh, that is one of the key issues for uh, Generation uh, Z. The Gen Zers, they're very, very concerned about mental health. And a lot of mental health issues are going on in their minds. I, I, I marvel at that. Uh, and it's probably because I'm really old. You know, I, I remember talking with a young lady. Um, she was 18. Uh, When I worked at um, a store in Michigan, a Rite Aid there, um, and we worked in the pharmacy together and I found out because I filled their prescription, she was taking Valium and, you know, for anxiety. and, And I said, why would you be taking Valium? I mean, you're 18 years old. You've got your whole life ahead of you. I couldn't believe that anyone 18 years old could have so much drama in their lives that they needed to take something for anxiety. And um, I I was wrong about that. Uh, There are a lot of issues. In fact, it was only a couple of years later that they found her dead. Um, And, you know, I lamented that because at the time that we had our conversation, I'm more... Unless dismissing all of the things that she might be going through and saying, well, you're too young to have any real trauma in your life, any drama. But if I had just taken the time to query her about it and ask her, maybe, maybe it would have been an opportunity to share the life of Christ with her. And maybe she would still be alive today. Um, It's one of those things. So improving mental health is something that people care a lot about. Spend more time with family used to be number one, actually. You see where it has moved down uh, to number nine. And then, of course, number 10, think or learn something new. Um, I'm I'm struck by the movement, as I mentioned, from specifics to generalities. People are concerned about life, but, you know, as I, I remember reading only about 69% uh, well I said that 69% of this youngest generation Gen Z are even concerned with making New Year's resolutions. Instead what I like to do is I like to to propose that this year we make it our goal to just hang out with Jesus. Matthew 11 says Uh, I know we look at these verses a lot, but I am really, really struck by the simplicity of his statements. Jesus said, uh, he said, come to me. It, It doesn't matter if you're 18. It doesn't matter if you're eight, really. It doesn't matter if you're 88 or 108. It doesn't matter. Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. Did you walk into this new year like that? And perhaps all of the burdens of the previous year followed you in. They didn't stop at December 31st. And you're still carrying them and you're still wondering how you're going to make it another year. Perhaps even another month. Jesus said, listen, come to me. And he says, I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. He says, let, let me teach you. Yeah, when I was 18, I, the thing that, that amazed me about the offer of Christ, and as I, I've said many times, at 18, I had a lot of questions and no answers. I really despaired that I would be able to, to grow into adulthood in a responsible way. Because, you know how they say, uh, what you don't know, what do you do when you don't know what you don't know? And I was totally lost. And the thought that the king of the universe would take my hand and walk me through life was just the most comforting thing. And I I mean, I ran to Jesus. Yes, yes. He said, let me teach you because I'm humble and, and gentle. And then again, he says, you, you'll find rest. For my yoke, is, it fits perfectly. You know, there won't be wiggle room. There won't be any rubbing. There won't be it. will be a perfect fit. You take my yoke and the burden I give you is light. And that, that gracious, gracious promise. We have that from the Lord To walk into 2024, and I I would encourage you, um, maybe you did make resolutions. I'm not much of a resolution maker. I I believe in planning, and I believe if if you plan your work like the Lord does, Genesis chapter 1, God plans his work, and then he works his plan. And he works in steps, and he works in stages, and as I approach life in that way, then I, I, what I find is I'm able to typically accomplish more than I set out to accomplish. As a, So I, I stopped setting goals, but I believe a lot in planning. So this year, can I interest you in deciding that this year you're going to spend more time drilling down deeply into the will of God and and knowing Christ in a deeper way, a better way, than you have previously. Can I challenge you with the thought that at the end of this year, when I ask you are, you, are you stronger now than you were at the beginning of the year? That you can say yes. Are you more loving now at the end of the year than you were at the beginning of the year? Do you know more of the will of God and a more confident in your ability to to live for him at the end of the year than you were at the beginning of the year. In order to pull that off, I need to just drill down into spending time with him. Well, this month, we want to talk about stewardship. And I want to begin by talking about the heart of a steward because everything is about heart. Everything. The, The key for me in order to to be the person that God wants me to be, or to have the desire to be the person that God wants me to be. It's not about what I have in my head. It's about what's going on in my heart. I serve God from the heart. And so let's talk about the heart of a steward, because, again, a steward is a person that recognizes that God is the owner. And he has entrusted all these things to me. And that's why I was drawn to this particular section in John chapter 1. When you have the heart of a steward, there are three things to happen. Number one, you adore the Lord. You adore uh, the Lord. Uh, I'm, I'm drawn by the fact that it says here six days before the Passover, and of course this Passover, this is the, this is the last time that Jesus will come into jerusalem for the passover it's the last time because after this while he's there uh these six days he would be tried condemned and crucified and so he begins this week with this passover meal this last one that he would have with his disciples and and he came to bethany uh bethany uh, not far from jerusalem and, of course, he, spent, he was at the home here, we learn from Mark and from uh, Matthew. He's at the home of Simon the leper. Um, and, of course, it's a big occasion, apparently, because while they're at the home of Simon the leper, you see Mary and Martha and Lazarus, they're there as well. And, of course, they lived in Bethany, and Jesus spent a lot of time at their home. But in this instance, they're at the home of Simon the leper. And here, in fact, one man surmised, you know, maybe Anointing Jesus, as he's seated, he probably has Simon on one side, whom he cured from leprosy, and Lazarus on the other side, whom he raised from the dead, like two trophies of his work here. And he's seated with these men and with these people around him. And there it says, (laughs) uh, they made him a supper Martha served. No surprise there, right? Martha's doing what Martha does. She's in the kitchen, and Mary is nowhere near the kitchen, as is often the case. But it says here, Lazarus is one of those who sat with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil, or spikenard. Now, now spikenard was is a fragrant plant. It grew in India, and it was very, very expensive. And what it grew, the plant grew, it had little spikes, which is why they call it spikenard, right? Uh, and so they would take it and crush it and extract the fragrance from it. It very expensive. Not many people uh, had their hands on spikenard. But Mary did, and she took a pound of it very costly oil and she anointed the feet of jesus and she wiped his feet with her hair and the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil you know sometimes uh, as we are out and about uh, my wife um, who makes a statement everywhere she goes uh, somehow uh, inevitably i don't care where we're going some woman somewhere walks up and says oh you smell so good what is that you're wearing and, of course, she tells them whatever the name of whatever it is that she's wearing, um, you know. And, you know, we're sitting and waiting to eat. And she and the waitress are having a conversation about, well, this is um, Dulce Gabon. This is whatever. And I'm just sitting there. I'm like, well, you know, anytime you're ready, you know, I'll take a salad to go with my salmon, you know. Um, no rush. You know, y'all just keep going. Uh, but, you know, just aromatic Uh, people love nice smelling things and of course um this whole place was was filled with the fragrance of this oil out of that uh i just put down a couple of thoughts when you have the heart of a steward you know you adore the lord you you adore the lord Uh, how can you tell when when someone's in love how can you tell when you're in love with somebody Really? How can you tell? Well, I, I put these three things down. And, you know, this, this I'm trying to remember from when I first fell in love with my wife. That was a long time ago, 43 years ago. But anyway, this they, is, they're on your mind all the time. You know, you, I mean, you just think about them. You know, you remember how it was. You pick up the phone, this was before cell phones, and you just, you, you, you talk, you run out of things to say after ten minutes, but you're still on the phone. and Out, just living to each other, breathe, right? You still there? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, and you just they're just on your mind all the time, all the time. I remember um, sitting at um, lunch with we would call them the three Hebrew boys, right? Vernon, Ernest, and Irvin, and we were talking uh, and um, about the fact that you know. So weird when you're in love with someone and I said well you talk about them all the time and and Ernest says yeah you're you're in love with your girlfriend I'm like no he said, yeah because you talk about her all the time you know all the time I'm like do I really I hardly mention her you know but I did all the time uh, but that's what you do you can't get enough of talking about them because they're on your mind all the time. And what's on your mind is what you talk about. And, and you want to be with them all the time, right? They're just um, thinking about where they are. The time goes by really fast since you last left them because you all you're thinking about is them. And then the whole week's gone by and it's time to be with them again. You're excited about that. And it doesn't matter where they are. My daughter, my oldest daughter, she called us she, was, uh, she had to go to the hospital there in Japan because she, she had an accident. She went snowboarding with Jimmy, her, at the time, boyfriend slash fiancé slash husband now. And, you know, he snowboarded. She'd never been snowboarding in her life. And she she lost her balance. She fell right on her head and her neck. They put her neck in a neck brace, rushed her to the hospital to x-ray to make sure there was no damage to her spine. And, and of course, uh, I'm thinking, what in the world got into you? Why would you go snowboarding? You've never been snowboarding. He said, well, Jimmy wanted to go (laughs) snowboarding. Okay. (laughs) If Jimmy wanted to jump off a... Well, I didn't say that. She might have thought about it. you know when you're in love you just you just want to be with them wherever they are it doesn't matter right and of course no act of service is too great right when I first got married man I used to well my mom taught me to iron my clothes you know, we would wash and dry and then you would you would iron all of your clothes at one time and hang them up right. And so um, that apparently that wasn't practiced everywhere in the world, <laughs> but um, you know, I mean, I try to do a good job when I ironed, and my wife saw me pressing my clothes, and, and then the next day she said, "Okay, I'm getting ready to go to school." I'm like, "Okay, good." She said, um, "Can you can you iron my my shirt for me?" I'm like, "Sure, right." And can you arm my pa- And then it became a regular routine. <laughs> at the time, it didn't bother me at all. I'm like, oh, I will be glad to do that for you. Fast forward a couple of years, we won't talk about it. Uh, but then, you know, when you're really in love with someone, the no act of service is too great. Pastor Manuel used to say, he said, a guy would say to his girlfriend, I would swim the highest mountain, right? <laughs> I will climb the deepest river. They say, you got that back? They say, I'll do it the hard way for you, baby. <laughs> <laughs> when you're in love, no act of service is too great. <laughs> Listen, how can you tell if someone's in love with Jesus? How do you tell? Is it because they want to spend time with you? Is it because they want to talk to him and hear his voice? Is it because no act of service is too great? I, I would say that a steward, a person who sees themselves as a steward, who has the heart of a steward, they, they adore the Lord. And it comes out in how they treat him, their attitude toward him. Secondly, you approach the Lord. Now, I like that. You approach the Lord here in in verse three, while everybody else is sitting around. Here comes Mary up behind Jesus with her precious face of spikenard to do her little deal of anointing him. See, so you you approach the Lord, and, and, and look, it, it doesn't matter where he is, right? Because what you want to be is wherever he is. And so if he's sitting in a crowd, then you don't mind being in the crowd. And it doesn't matter who else is there. Because you're coming to see him. It's just like when we come on Sunday morning. You know, see, I, I, come, I come with you and, and for you to add value to you. But I come to him. He's the one I want to see. He's the one I want to please. He's the one I want to hear from when I come. And, and you know, sometimes people come to church and they're like, Who was there? Well wasn't nobody there. That means the people that they hang out with weren't there. <laughs> Might be crowded otherwise, but just you know, they got their own little few people that they talk to. You know, so nobody was there. But you know, you don't you don't come to the people. You come to the Lord. And because he's there, then that's where you want to be. And because you want to you be with him. And, and it doesn't matter what other people think of you. Now, I put that down because I thought about the, a parallel passage in Luke chapter 7. And in this particular instance, Jesus is, is at the house of a, a Pharisee. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to come to his home for a meal. Jesus accepted the invitation. He sat down to to eat and Luke, in his typically descriptive way, he says a certain immoral woman heard he was there and she brought a beautiful jar filled with expensive perfume and And then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping, and her tears fell on his feet. She wiped them off with her hair. She kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee, who was the host, saw what was happening and who the woman was, he said to himself, this proves that Jesus is no prophet. If God had really sent him, he would know what kind of woman this is touching him. She's a sinner. No way if he was a prophet, let that old nasty woman come up touching him. But you know, Jesus, he, he touched the untouchable. He approached the unapproachable. And he himself was never unapproachable. And that's why he was known as the friend of sinners. Because they cared about him. Because he cared about them. You know, sometimes we're we're standoffish when it comes to other people. And, and we may not have time for them. And maybe we don't like the way they look. Maybe we don't like the way they smell. Maybe we don't like what they did. Maybe we don't like what they do. We find all kinds of reasons to dismiss them. We forget. Well, two things. Number one, we forget that God loves them. Why? How do we know? Because Christ died for them. And second, we forget who we are. Do you remember when you were on the house with God? You remember how jacked up your life was? You remember those things you used to say and the things you used to do and the habit patterns you perpetrated and, you know, all of those things that you don't want anybody in here to know about? And God knew all about them before you committed them, and He sent Christ to die for you anyway. Mm-hmm. And there are people that we 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 want to keep at arm's distance. How is that? I was telling the men yesterday about the uh, at our prayer breakfast. We were talking about being fair-minded and being gentle with people, and I mentioned the Levites. And how the priestly line came from the Levites and how the priests, you know, they would sacrifice all of those animals to the Lord and burn them on the altar. They had to slip their throats and drain the oil out and then burn them up on the altar. And I said, you know, uh, Levi, he and his brother Simeon, uh, they were the ones who were responsible for butchering, for murdering all the men in the entire village because one man raped their sister. They took it out on everybody. And that that act of vengeance and violence. I said imagine now, you know, you killed all those men, you shed all that blood, and then God God says I'm going to take the Levites and I'm going to make them the ones who sacrifice all the blood, all the innocent lives. They had to do that every day. All the time, and you would think that, that as often as they killed these innocent animals and they shed all this blood and spilled it, that, that somehow it would go off in their minds that you know we come from a, a legacy of butchers and murderers. And see, the, the the priests were called that because they they would be sensitive because they they remember they, they're just like the people that they sacrificed for. They were sinners and they had done some horrific things. And so they, they needed forgiveness. So they understood what it was like to, to need forgiveness. And so then when they were sacrificed to God on behalf of the people, it would be with a sensitive heart. That's how it was supposed to be. <clears throat> but see, eventually the priests got to a point where they didn't care about the people. They wanted the people to sin so that they could bring them animals to sacrifice and grain. And then the they saw the people as opportunities to get more for themselves. They completely forgot about their previous history and their own sinful condition. And as a result, then they were dismissive of the people. And sometimes, you know, we, we can be like that. I mean, I mean, not the people in here. I'm not talking about y'all. I mean, other people that, you know, can be dismissive like that. And, you know, those people, they they forget that, you know, but for the grace of God, their lives would still be jacked up. You know, you just need to be patient. But see, sometimes I I mean, the reason I mentioned this woman in Luke is because, you know sometimes we find that the people are mean to us and because people are mean to us, you know, we take it out on God. And by that, I mean, you say, well, I ain't, I ain't going back to church. Why? Cause, cause you know, bro, I ain't gonna call no name today. We well, ain't know what <laughs> Brother so-and-so didn't speak to me or sister so-and-so said something to me that wasn't kind or or dismissive or, or they look down at me, you know, because my shoes weren't shined or, you know, whatever little thing it is. And and so oh, we, we don't want to go back. You know, you might come in you say, I came into that church and nobody even spoke to me. Nobody even said hello to me. It's like I'm not even a person. Like I don't even matter. I ain't going back there. And it could be like that. But this woman, you know, she didn't care what those people thought because she came in for one reason, and that was for Jesus. And I think that that's how it ought to be. I want to come for Jesus, and I want to come to Jesus, and I care about what Jesus thinks about me. I put this little statement down. When you have the heart of a steward, your focus is on Christ. And how much he means to you, not people, and how mean they are to you. I, I want to focus on Christ. And I want to keep the focus on Christ. Well, the third thing about Stuart is you adorn the Lord. <laughs> you adorn the Lord. Because that's exactly what Mary did. That's what exactly what this woman did. Now, they took that most precious oil and they poured it on his feet and they wiped his feet with their hair and all that. They, 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 they bring an offering to the Lord because he's worth it. Remember I told you about the the um, the little shrine uh, they had in India. is made of pure gold. And um, a tourist was asking one of the attendants, um, how much did it cost to build that shrine? And she said, "What does it matter? It's for our God. Cost is is immaterial when it's for your God." And you know that I mean the the steward thinks like that. So I'm going to bring an offering to him. Why? Because because he's worth it. There's no no amount is too much. I read a story of a lady who. Um, she came, offering time at the church, and and um, she she wrote a check for fifty dollars, and then she asked the pastor. She said, is, "Is this enough?" And he said, "Well, if it if it reflects you, then okay." And she thought about it, and she took it back. <laughs> and she came back a little later with a check for five hundred dollars. He says, is this enough? He says, I, I don't know. Does If it reflects you, it's enough. He took it back. She came back later with a check for $50,000. And she says, I'm satisfied with this. And I think this represents me. Now, I'm not mentioning that because I think that you ought to think about dropping a check for $50,000 into the offering plate. Now, I promise you I won't be offended if you do, but I'm not asking you to do anything like that. Because understand that you're not bringing anything to me, right? It's to the Lord. And if he's worth it, then you, you give it to him. If you don't think he's worth it, then don't give him anything. But, you know, when you start adding up the ledger and all the things he's done, right, life, health, peace, prosperity, uh, you know, protection as you travel up and down these crazy, uh, I mean, the roads in in Georgia. All the things that he's done, getting you from point A to point B, I mean, if he hadn't done anything for you, then don't give him anything. But if he's done everything for you, why would you not give him everything? I mean, that's just one of those things. So you bring an offering because he's worth it. You know, people used to ask me, I've had several people ask me, Pastor, you tithe? Yes. You tithe from the gross or the net? Like, well, it depends. You want a tithe? you want a gross blessing or do you want a net blessing? What kind of blessing do you want? You know, you can't ask for a gross blessing and you tithe the net. I mean, come on. Uh, but, you know, I mean, if, if, you, if you, like I said this before, if you are financially squeezed, then you can't afford not to tithe. You're, you say, well, I don't have enough. You know, a pastor asked, a congregant, he said, um, if, if you put in the tithe, and I promise... That I will make up the balance of what you needed to get you through the month, would you would you do it? And he said, Well, if you if you promise, then yeah. He said, Well, imagine that. You'd be willing to tithe on the basis of a mere man like me. But you wouldn't trust the king of the universe to be able to take care of you like that. You know, so and the guy started tithing. <laughs> and of course, he found that. He never ran out. God is no man's debtor. But Anyway, you adorn the Lord with an offering, and then I had to put this one in there because, you know, our young people are are here and our not-so-young people are here. But you adorn the Lord with your body. That's important as well. And I put a couple of verses down in case you thought I made that up. Romans 12.1 says, It says, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Right? Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will accept. When you think of what he's done for you, is it too much to ask? No. 1 Corinthians 6, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You don't belong to yourself. God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. It's not your body to do with what you want to do with it. You know, God is, God is to be honored in all that I do. And God is with me everywhere I go. He's with me in the highlights, right? He's with me in the lowlights. He's with me in the no lights. When I'm out here, as the song says, tripping in the darkness. Don't y'all go home singing that. <laughs> but slipping in the darkness. I know some of you you slipping in the darkness, doing some dastardly deeds, you know, you take Christ with you. You say, well, I don't want, I don't want him here. Then why are you there? If you don't want him to be offended in what you're doing, then don't do it. Because you're taking with you everywhere that you go. And so those three things highlight stewardship. You adore the Lord, you approach the Lord, you adorn the Lord. What about when you don't have the heart of a steward? (laughs) Well... The passage deals with that, too, in verses 4 through 6. One of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii? A denarius was the amount of money that a worker could earn in a day. So 300 of them would be about a year's worth of wages. That's some expensive stuff. In fact, when they would take the oil of Spikenard, the, the very rich, the people who could afford it, they would they would pay, pour just a little bit on their, the top of their heads and let the room fill with fragrance. She emptied the whole bottle. A year's worth of wages invested on Christ because she thought he was worth it. And of course, uh, Judas is saying, why the waste waste? not because he cared anything about the poor. We could have given something to the poor, but he was a thief. He wanted the money to go into that box so we could steal something. So I think when you don't have a heart of a steward, you question the amount of money that's spent on Christ. I mean, that's a lot. Why you, why you got to give so much? You know, I mean, we, could have, we could have done something else with that money. You giving it to the preacher, Are you giving it to the church? No, I'm giving it to the Lord. The truth of the matter is, when you understand stewardship, you say, I'm returning it to the Lord because it belongs to him anyway. Christ owns 100% of what I have. He's entrusted it to me, and he said, return the first part to me as an acknowledgment that I own it all. It's okay. I mean, it's your stuff. You want 10%? Here you go. Right? And then he gives me the wisdom to manage the rest for him. Secondly, you take what belongs to the work of Christ to use it for yourself. And see, the Eighth Commandment Is it the Eighth Commandment? Which one is it? No, it's the Sixth Commandment. Sorry. No, the Sixth Commandment says don't don't kill. Seven says don't commit adultery. Eight says don't steal. When you take what belongs to God. And use it on something else you steal it, and we just at Wednesday we looked at Malachi and God said, "You robbed me, you're stealing my stuff, and you want me to bless you seriously then finally you you turn on Christ just to make money the in the parallel passages of Matthew and Mark right after This altercation, this discussion, it says Judas Iscariot, he went out, he went out, and he talked with the Pharisees, the religious leaders, and he bargained with them on a way to betray Christ to them secretly for 30 pieces of silver. The price of a common slave. That's what you do. You turn on Christ just just to make some money. You know, sometimes, I mean... You know, GM will help you. They'll say, we'll give you triple time if you work on Sunday. You know, but the time belongs to the Lord. Well, we'll give you triple time if you work on Sunday. Well, the time belongs to the Lord. We'll give you triple time. Well, okay. You know. You say, well, I could always use the money. Well, okay. I mean, if, if the Lord's worth serving, then serve him. If he's not worth serving, then don't serve him. You know. If you turn on him just to make money, then I would say that you don't have the heart of a steward. Well, our time's gone. Three quick decisions for 2024. Would you decide this year with me to make it a priority to deepen your love for Jesus this year? It's just starting out. Say, Lord, I'm going to love you more deeply, more determinately than I did in 2023. And how am I going to do this? Well, let me sit and make three suggestions. Number one, determine that you're going to spend time with him in his word every day. So you, you're, going to, you're going to hear his voice. He's going to talk to you from his word. And you're going to talk back to him in prayer. You're going to talk about the same things. So you're going to spend time with him Because you love him. And and I'll tell you this. The more time you spend with him. You know what will happen. You'll find that he becomes more lovely. And then he becomes more precious. And everything about him changes. Number two. Seek to participate with the saints in service. I I would encourage you to consider making a goal this year. To come in to meet Jesus. Regardless of who else is here. Come in. Now I'll, I'll come with you. And even for you to add value. To your life. As I'm able to be an encourager. A model or whatever. But but I want you to come to meet him. Make it a determination. That this will be the year. That you do just that thing. You say well I already come. I mean I come at least twice a month. Well. Well okay, why don't you try coming the first 52 weeks and then after that you can take off. I mean, you know, just a thought. And then number three, because Christ is so lovely, make it a goal to talk about him with other people. Share his message of salvation with others. Because I'll tell you what I know, the person who shares his faith in Christ or faith in Christ it is amazing how they grow in, in deepening in their desire to be with him and there's a freshness and a vitality and even an insight into his word that comes as a result of talking about Christ with others let me encourage you to make those three commitments this year father thank you so much again for your word and Thank you for loving us as you do. And Lord Jesus, thank you. Uh, you are the all-lovely one. And we are, we are so unlike you uh, in our demeanor and our ways and our choices even. But Lord, we want to be more like you. We want to imitate you, as Ephesians 5.1 says. And we want to walk in love, your love. And we just want to thank you for filling our hearts with your love, for cleansing us from our sin and, and filling us with your spirit and your love. And as he produces that love in us, and that joy and peace and patience and on it goes, we'll comply with your will and we'll endeavor to make your great name known to those around us. Strengthen us to walk as stewards this year even more than we have before. And Father, I would pray for those who may be here under the sound of my voice who who aren't stewards because they simply have not committed themselves to Jesus at all. They don't know him in the pardoning of their sins and they're still trying to create their own meaning. They're still trying to figure it out, uh, how to make their lives better when life never gets better, life gets different when you come to Jesus. And you become the person that you were meant to be. I pray for that one or those several that today they will determine that right now, this year, at this moment, they'll surrender their life to Jesus and begin a new journey of walking with Him. We commit these things to you and ask them in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.